I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Desiree Ford shares her powerful story of learning to love and accept herself. At 18, she survived a horrific fatal car accident where she says the old Desiree died that day, and she explains why that is a good thing. She openly talks about her mental health before the accident and how it took something traumatic for her to learn to completely accept and love herself. From her long road of recovery, this young woman will inspire you with many insights and lessons about patience, resilience, and reframing your life. Welcome, Desiree Ford, to Soul Sister Conversations. Hi, Dana. Thank you for joining me today for this very important story. On May 4th, 2018, you were the passenger in a fatal head-on collision. And your friend perished along with the driver of the other vehicle, but you miraculously survived. And after being airlifted to hospital, you began a long road to recovery after sustaining polytrauma, including traumatic brain injury, uh, 11 fractures, numerous injuries. You spent 210 days in four different hospitals and countless surgeries, and you died seven times. So your journey is miraculous, to say the least. And if people want to listen to your entire story from your mother's perspective, listen to episode 99 with Betty Ford, an absolutely incredible perspective and how she held the vision of healing for you. Um, And because of this experience, both um, Desiree and her mother founded a company called Resilient Spirit. And so I look forward to talking about your resilient spirit today. So Desiree, I remember just chatting with you briefly after your mom and I had our podcast conversation and you were lying on the bed listening to your mom tell the story of of you. And it felt, you said, every time I hear that story, it's like you were engulfed in it, like you were hearing it for the first time, disconnected. Like, who is this woman talking about? And uh, was that true? Yes. um, The story never gets old. Um, Hearing it coming from someone else's perspective, like apart from me, the survivor like the victim i i just love it (laughs) so tell me who were you before the accident well um i've very recently um really had a lot of time to really think about that and um i was a very crappy person i think um I didn't respect myself. I didn't really respect anything in general. I took life for granted and um, I was okay with making mistakes and risking my life. Um, Yeah, I was a very poor person and I never, ever, ever want to go back to the person that I was. Wow. That's quite an amazing um, reflection on yourself. And how old were you at the time of the accident? 18? I was 18. Yeah. 18. So a young person. And how, how would you, you were, and what you did in your life, you were a professional dancer. Yes. A teacher and a performer. So those are the things you did, but it's interesting you just described for me who you were being at that age. And do you feel like the accident was, was that a result of how you were living or was that, do you feel like that was, 
um, something that come out of the blue? Because oh, you well, weren't driving. <clears throat> right. No, I wasn't driving, but 100% it was, it was a result of the choices that I was making. Um, mm. I, oh, man, I was so very careless and just the decisions that I was making, I'm surprised that I, my life wasn't risked earlier. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. What, what do you remember from the accident or your recovery? Where, where do the memories begin? Cause I know your mom said you don't remember much from that day. Right. Um, as time goes on, I'm slowly remembering more from that day. Nothing, um, from the actual, like being in the car, um, with the driver, but just like events leading up to that. I'm remembering that. And, um, yeah, I don't remember anything really like at the beginning of my recovery. Obviously, I don't remember a single part of it. But then when we moved to Woodstock General Hospital, where I began my hardcore healing, I like slowly start remembering things. And then when I go back to visit, I remember like the like certain rooms I remember them and the staff I remember them um but I I would say that my memory really started at Parkwood Institute in London is that a recovery uh like a a rehabilitation center yes Mm. do you remember the day you woke up in the hospital no I don't I don't Mm. And so how far into your recovery were you before you began remembering? Is it maybe three or four months? Because you were in a coma for a number of days. Yeah. Um, hundreds of days. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd say that I really start to remember things. Yeah, at Parkwood. Um, I I am told stories by my mother Uh very frequently about like funny, funny things that Mm -hmm. I did and funny things that I said. And like, I, I wish I could remember them, but it's just, it's like hearing like a a story of a stranger. It's like hearing a new thing every time. (laughs) So when you started having memories and you're looking at your body, did you remember who you were before? You didn't have amnesia. Um, no, so what were you making of what was happening to your body that you could move it very well or the injuries uh, that you were experiencing? What were you thinking about what had happened to you? Oh, man, that's a good question. I think that at the beginning, when I started like accepting, not accepting, but just realizing what had happened to me, mm-hmm. I uh, didn't quite get it. I would look down like at my feet, um, like with my, while I was laying in my hospital bed with my double vision and I would see like a scar running up my stomach and so many scars on my legs and a couple toes gone. And I just, it wasn't hitting me. Mm. I, I didn't quite understand that it was my body that I was looking at. I get that. Yeah, that would be a very strange experience to be disconnected from this body. Yeah. But did you remember that you were a dancer, that you what the life you had 
before the accident? Yes, my mom made a point of um, hanging up hundreds of dance pictures of mine so that the doctors and nurses could be aware of who I was before mm -hmm. the accident and how important it was to save my limbs and stuff. So I would look at those pictures and I would think like, am I that person? Will I ever be that person again? And mm -hmm. how, how <laughs> could that person be so carefree and make, make those shapes? and do those jumps and moves. And meanwhile, while she's laying in a bed and at risk to lose limbs or lose her heartbeat, like I just, I, I didn't quite understand it. Sure, that would be confusing. I'm curious, you know, what has been the hardest thing about this journey, the recovery? Um, obviously, the physical part has been so very difficult. My my poor limbs that weren't used to moving and they started moving again. That was a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. But I'd say the hardest part of my recovery that I just recently understood. And finally, after two years of surviving, I, it finally kicked in that um, the hardest part was to start accepting myself. Mm. Up until very recently, I was expecting to just return to the Desiree that I was before. And that Desiree is gone. That Desiree it died in a tragic motor vehicle accident and she's never coming back like sure my like my humor is still around and like little personality things like the way that i stand and um the way that i like the gestures that i use with my hands but apart from that i she is so gone and the biggest part of figuring that out was loving that. Where it could have gone in such a different way, where it was going at the beginning of my recovery, how I absolutely hated the new Desiree I was. And I, for the longest time, I, when I really understood that my physical aspect was gone and I'll never be the dancer that I dreamed of being one day when that hit me I oh man it was so dark I um I wished every day that I didn't survive my car accident wow. and there were times when I would uh when I finally figured out how to walk downstairs I would be walking down our 16 stairs from our second floor to our first floor. And I would think, would, you know, what would happen if I just let go and just let myself fall 
Like, would would those injuries be enough? Because I wasn't able to do my own thing. I wasn't able to go out of the house and be alone and independently do whatever I wanted. I was completely stuck in my house and I couldn't, oh, I couldn't do anything. I was trapped. And so, so I thought, yeah, it, that's like my only way. Like, what else could I do to end my life? So you were suicidal during oh, your recovery? so suicidal. Hmm. Yeah. And so what has moved you to acceptance? Because when I chatted with your mom briefly before this conversation, she said she's had a recent discovery of, of self-love. And what has moved you to that space? Yes, I will be very blunt and honest with you. Sure. Um, yes. This acceptance started immediately after I broke up with my boyfriend. My boyfriend was my best friend before the accident. And he had grown to absolutely adore who I was. And so after the accident, he confessed his love to me and I felt the exact same after waking up from my coma. I had, I had a whole new appreciation for him and I didn't just look at him as a best friend. I looked at him as more. And so we started dating and, um, but then as time went on and I really started healing and recovering, I would, um, I would get so frustrated because I would try my best to be what we were before, but Mm. obviously I couldn't do that because physically I am a completely different person. And emotionally, I look at things so differently now. And I just like, I, Yeah. So he fell in love with who I was before and I'm not that person anymore. And so he ended things with me. Mm. And that's what shoved you to acceptance. And that's what shoved me to, to where accepting that, you know what? I am, I am not who I was and I am not who he fell in love with, but I shouldn't feel for a second sad that I'm not that person because that person was a very careless, idiotic person who uh, threw her life away at any given point in time. And um, yeah, I, I am so glad that that person is not around anymore because I I finally accept myself and I love myself. And that's just a whole new world for me. I was saying to mom the other day that I don't believe that I have ever truly loved myself. Um, Because before the accident, like in high school, I was, you know, the usual high school student thing. I was judging myself and trying to be uh, like what the other teen girls were. I love that you came to the place of self-love because it's a place where so many people want to be. 
So I'm curious, um, I know part of the conversation that your mom and I talked about that you struggled with mental health before the accident. Can you speak to that a little bit? I think a lot of people would relate to that. And and what is your mental state now? Obviously, you told us a little bit about, you know, in your recovery that you felt, you know, was it worth living again, but you've obviously come to this amazing place. So can you speak to your mental health sort of pre and post recovery and that shift? So pre-accident, my mental health was absolutely disgusting. Um, I, I was so very keen on getting to a physical point that I just died for so badly. Um, you mean as a dancer? Yeah, as a dancer, I had a beautiful, beautiful body um, with strong, toned legs and arms and back and stomach and like abs. I, I had the dream body, but I couldn't see that when I looked into a mirror. I wow. looked into a mirror and wanted to throw up because for some godforsaken reason, I would look in the mirror and I would hate what I saw, which now I, <laughs> I do not understand. And so, yeah, I, I really hated myself before the accident, before I had any scars. So when you look into the mirror now, what do you see? Now, when I look into the mirror, I, I'll, I'll go back to um, after the accident, like when we returned home, I looked mm-hmm. into the mirror and I, in my brain, I just automatically thought, okay, I'm, I'm proud of where I've come. All these scars are so, so awesome and they tell such a unique story, but I didn't actually believe that. I just thought that because that is what other people thought that I should believe. That was what other people were telling me, like how Desiree, your body is absolutely incredible. And so I just assumed, okay, well, I'm just going to, I should believe that because everyone else does, but I didn't really. Mm. And so just in this past month where my mindset has just completely done a 180 flip. I look in the mirror and oh my goodness. <sighs> wow. Seeing my body is absolutely incredible. Um, with so many scars that tell such a huge, huge story. I, yeah, I just, I... It's incredible how I've gone from one extreme to another, from absolutely despising, hating, hating myself so much to the exact opposite and just appreciating and loving myself so much. Hmm. And for you, you had to go through something very tragic in order to get to that place and a long recovery And what would your message be for other people who may be struggling with similar things that you did that they, whether they look in the mirror and they think their body's not good enough, they maybe just think their life's not good enough. They're not good enough. And you have come to reframe your life in such a beautiful way 
but having to do it through tragic circumstances, what would be the advice that you would give to people about loving themselves and going through that transformation of acceptance? Um, I would say to other people, just um, like value what you have because it could be taken away from you in a split second and um, just be be so thankful that you hopefully will never have to go there mm-hmm. and you will never have to almost lose limbs and you will never have to have um, like incredible internal surgeries that will leave immense scar tissue just mm. to appreciate what you have currently yeah, appreciate what yeah. you have both you and your mom are, are now speakers and your company is called Resilient Spirit. What have you learned about resilience? Oh, me and resiliency, we go way back. <laughs> <laughs> a um, good relationship with resilience. Oh, such a good relationship. <clears throat> um, when I was healing, um, it was never an option for me to give up um like it it was never an option for me to just you know what i'm i'm quitting i'm stop this healing just let me go like that was never a thing Mm -hmm. and so i feel that like in a way resiliency has been very much like forced upon me because i didn't have a choice but like while i say that i it wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been um, an opportunity for me to have any other choice. It was, you know, keep going and that's it. There wasn't an or, or do something different. It was just keep going. Like that was it. Just keep going and keep fighting. And I didn't have another choice, another option. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. I know that you now feel like you have a new mission and purpose in life, mm-hmm. especially being able to um, speak to audiences. What is your new mission and purpose in life? Another very deep question. Wow. My personal new mission and purpose is to just... keep fighting and loving myself for for the fighting that I have done Mm. Um, great mission (laughs) yeah I was expecting you to say um, you know to inspire others and I'm sure maybe that's part of it but I love the fact that you say it's going to be to love myself yes because because you lead by example (laughs) yeah I think that loving myself will help me to teach others to love themselves, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you want your legacy to be? Another small question, Desiree. Well, I already have quite the legacy um, Mm. that, like, I, I didn't ask for 
surviving through 25 surgeries and just like repairing my brain and just surviving the car accident in general i have already i already have such a huge miraculous legacy that no one will ever be able to beat absolutely it, that sounded really really harsh um it would be very difficult to beat that um so well you have so many lessons to share uh things that will ripple out from that one incident i mean like you say you didn't ask for it um yeah but you have many lessons that you've walked away with yeah and i'm has this made you more spiritual uh i know you're you know you're a young person has that it deepened your faith did you have it before as a young person who was careless and how that impacted you i um I wouldn't say that I had like a strict faith before the accident. Um, I've always been spiritual. Mm. Um, and I'd say, yeah, that has definitely grown since my accident, especially like um, when doctors tell me that I passed so many times, it's mm. just, it's, it's hard not to believe in something after that. Do you, you remember know? anything from passing seven times? I know at the time your mom and I spoke, um, you didn't recall much from that, but I'm curious if anything has opened up for you since. No, I don't um, recall anything from that, but I am also very open to like going into hypnosis and like figuring out like remembering some of those times, I'm very excited for that. And I believe that um, now with with all of my mental recovery, I believe that I'm ready for that, which is huge because like that's a, that's a big deal. Um, just accepting and proudly saying that I am ready. That's a, yeah. that's huge. That's big. That is. And 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 things will begin to open, I suspect in that area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you learned about doing hard things? Cause you had to do a lot of hard things in the past couple of years. I, um, I have learned that, Oh, I have so learned that as hard as it might seem and as long as it might feel that it takes to get you to somewhere that you want to be mm -hmm. it's it's going to happen like it's going to happen whether like whether it's in years or months or weeks or days it will happen you just have to be patient and oh goodness me have i learned patience that has been one of the uh, biggest traits that have been forced upon me. And I, um, I couldn't be more grateful. Of how... What has patience taught you? Did you say patience, it was forced upon you? Hmm. Yeah, patience has taught me. Um, yeah, that 
same kind of same thing. Like if you you just have to wait, and eventually it will happen. And um, you know, it's in the process of getting there that your mental state might go berserk, and you might go crazy a couple times because what you want just isn't happening fast enough. Mm. But it will happen at some point. Eventually, mm. it's bound to. Mm. I love that. And I love that you've shared the, your story with us today. We've jam-packed a lot of nuggets in a small amount of time. And I just have the last couple of questions for you. Okay. Um, what have you come to learn about the power of being Desiree? I have learned and, yes, accepted throughout my recovery that I am a superwoman. <laughs> oh, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, <laughs> when I'm around people that make little small complaints of, about their life and um, how they're struggling with stuff and very simple things like something on um, social media or, yeah, I, I got... Um, a really bad bruise on my arm and I don't know how I'm going to recover from this. And it, it, you know, it's a good reminder. This has reminded me of what other people consider as huge ordeals. Yes. All these little complaints. It's just a very nice reminder. And mm. that's really nice to have sometimes a reminder every now and then boosts up my self-confidence so much like being reminded of oh man but what have I been through like compared right. to what this person complains of like I I don't shame them for complaining of their personal strengths and losses and stuff it's just a really nice reminder to me like oh man I I can look at myself as such a higher power, as such a high mm. power, because I, I don't want to compare me with someone else, but just uh, such a high power, um, where, <clears throat> like, whereas coming from what I've, I've been through and what I've gone through. What has become really clear to you? I'd say the biggest one, especially as of late, yeah, is that, um, the the Desiree that I was before she passed in a car accident and I I hope that she never ever returns and I'm glad that she's gone and I am glad that I never have to worry about her coming back and just the mental anguish that she caused I, I'm I'm glad that she's gone. Wow. And lastly, what does the world need most? I would say that anyone who is fighting with um, the experience experiences that I was fighting with before the accident, I would say, sure, I would say like, 
someone who is unclear mentally of where they want to be and where they feel that they should be. An experience like mine sure makes you look differently, but I wouldn't I wouldn't wish this upon anyone. Like even my worst enemy if I had one, I wouldn't wish this experience upon. Um because this experience hasn't been has been anything but simple. But I just if there was like a, a simpler, much simpler and easy and um, not as harmful, not nearly as harmful as mine was. If there was something that could do the same thing and experience. Um, and so that would bring them clarity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that they would yeah. understand mentally. I think if everyone... Ex, you know, having trouble experienced that. Oh man, we would have a different world. A, a big perspective shift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you've given us a lot of really great reminders and insight today about how we reframe our lives that you unfortunately had to go through a very difficult and tragic accident and come out the other side but we don't have to go through that in order to have that shift yeah. or reframing in our lives. And I think you're a great reminder of that and an amazing inspiration. And I've enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. And I thank you for your time. Yes. Thank you very much. This has uh, definitely our 36 minutes has put quite the mental strain on me, but I loved every minute of it. I appreciate your time, Desiree. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.